enjoy the show. Beaming at you from the depths of the internet. This is the Temple of Geek Podcast, your one stop for all things geek. All things geek. Welcome to Temple of Geek Podcast. The Temple of Geek Podcast has been around since 2012 and is hosted by a variety of people. Here we discuss and celebrate fandoms and all things geek. For those of you tuning in for the first time, my name is Monica and I'm covering for Aaron this week. I will be your host tonight as we discuss the first episode of Star Wars The Bad Batch. With me today is my guest co-host Kristen. And to our returning listeners, thank you again for tuning in. We really appreciate you being here. Welcome back to the podcast, Kristen. Are you ready to talk about The Bad Batch? Am I ever. Thank you for having me back because uh, since we talked about the trailer and since we've seen it, I I need to talk to you about it. So <laughs> Excellent. Works so, out well. Yeah, for sure. So Clone Force 99, also known as the Bad Batch, was a clone commando special forces squad that was active during the Clone Wars. The squad initially consisted of four clone commandos that were designed with genetic mutations, and then a fifth member joined the unit later near the end of the Clone Wars. We are going to be discussing everything from Star Wars The Bad Batch Episode 1, The Aftermath, and so if you have not watched the episode, I recommend you go watch the episode and then come back because there's going to be all kinds of spoilers. Let's just go right into it. What did you think about the first episode? I really enjoyed it and I liked it more than I expected, which and I've talked about this before on our on our last um, talk together that I like the Bad Batch. I think they're like a cool group of characters, but I wasn't necessarily like itching for a series about them. I was like, oh, I'll check it out if I don't like it and it's not my thing. That's totally fine, but I'll check it out and I might like it. I might be surprised the way that I was with The Mandalorian. And so that's what I did for this episode, but it got me hooked. It's a long episode, which I did not expect, but it was also like the story that they told and, you know, very appropriately named the aftermath to just really hook me into you know what happens after order 66 and of course we see the beginning of order 66 and that's when i think i i text texted you immediately was like oh my god (laughs) Um, but we'll get to that part i'm sure yeah absolutely i think it was really cool that they did a long episode i think it was like 72 minutes or something like Mm -hmm. that obviously they did it for may the 4th because the show will be releasing every friday on disney plus for may the 4th which is a tuesday it's going to be the full hour episode so i think that's a very cool star wars thing to do is release it out to the fans and give us like a full hour of Mm -hmm. the new series i really enjoyed it i also feel like I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. And I was a little bit concerned because my history with the Clone Wars is that I watched most of it as my kid was growing up, but like in pieces, like I never sat through the whole Mm -hmm. thing. I watched the last two seasons recently because, you know, the new Clone Wars season was going to come out last year. So uh, I had watched the season before that. And so I was like, oh, maybe there's things that I'm not going to understand or things that are just going to be lost on me as like someone who's technically has just a very like small understanding of the show. But I feel like Disney did a really good job with making sure that the Bad Batch was accessible to even a, a new audience member coming in. I think so, too. I mean, it's and I've I hadn't watched Clone Wars from the beginning. I only got into it semi-recently, but, and I have seen every episode, but I also, like, I forget characters' names sometimes, or I forget relations. So it was helpful to be like, oh yeah, let me get, can I have the roll call of everybody in the Bad Batch? And things like that, just to, which I think does set it up pretty, pretty well. I feel like for a Star Wars fan, if you hadn't seen the Clone Wars, although I'm pretty sure the banking on most people have been Clone Wars fans, it's something that I feel like most fans mostly just need to know what Order 66 is and just the overall of the Clone Wars. And that these guys are a very specialized unit because we also only just met them at the end of season seven, which only just came out last year. So most people probably were only introduced that way. 
Right. Absolutely. I guess like it's one of those things where you don't really need to have watched all of the Clone Wars to understand Mm -hmm. the setup for the Bad Batch. I mean, it is helpful, but you don't necessarily need all that. For sure. So let's go through a refresher. This hopefully will be informative for people that are like new to the show. So we'll go through the list of the members. So we have the five members of the Bad Batch, the Clone Sergeant Hunter. He is a clone with enhanced sensory abilities. Clone Sergeant Hunter can sense the electromagnetic field given off by droids, which is considered an invaluable ability and was often the reason that he was sent on top secret and dangerous missions. Hunter has been known to be reluctant to work with the regular clone troopers, which they also call regs on the show. Mm -hmm. Crosshair has exceptional vision that was far superior to like a standard clone's vision, which makes him an incredible sniper. Crosshair was loyal to his comrades in Clone Force 99, but he has very little regard for regular clones. He viewed the regular clones as expendable. Tech is skilled in decryption, language skills, military tactics, and improvision. He's an expert problem solver. He is very brains over broad, just basically... Like his name says, he's like the tech guy. Wrecker is the squad's muscle. He kind of serves as the comic relief as well. And he's definitely a little bit more on the impulsive side compared to some of the other Bad Batch members, even though they're all pretty impulsive. But I think Mm -hmm. Wrecker has a little bit more in that. I think what's helpful with their names too, you know, their names are very indicative of like their specialties. So that's also very helpful for me who kind of forgets people's names. (laughs) <laughs> so that, that helps. You know exactly what their specialty is when you hear the name. Yeah, absolutely. And so then those are the four original members of the Bad Batch that we meet in the Clone Wars. And then there's Echo, who was a regular clone trooper from the Clone Wars. And he is captured by the Separatist forces during the Battle of Lola Sayu. And he's turned into a cyborg. And he's basically like almost like a computer being used as a computer. And he's rescued at the end of the Clone Wars. And then he goes on to join the Bad Batch because he feels that he fits in more with them than a regular trooper. He's been through so much and he's dealing with so much. He just, you know, he can't be with regular clone troopers anymore. And so that's basically the core of the Bad Batch. And then there's now the new member of the Bad Batch, which is Omega, who by all accounts looks like a human child who has been living on Kamino, which is the planet where all the clones are produced. I guess you can call it produced? Made? I guess. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I don't know what's, yeah, it's not, yeah. It's a planet. It's a water planet. Indeed, (laughs) yeah. Technically their hometown. Right, I guess, yeah. (laughs) It's where they were born. It's revealed in the episode that she also is a defective clone or a... I guess they call him an enhanced clone and in some ways similar to the team from Clone Force 99. And after meeting the Bad Batch, Clone Sergeant Hunter offers her a chance to leave. So I guess what I kind of want to do is I want to go through what you thought about each one of the characters in this episode. So like, let's go ahead and start with Clone Sergeant Hunter. What did you think about him in this episode? What did you like, dislike? Yeah. So I think from the original, when we first met them in Clone Wars Season 7, I wasn't quite sure. I knew he was, quote, the leader, and that was about all I knew about him. (laughs) You know, it was like, I feel like that was like the the one takeaway that I had about his character, and he's still very much the leader. But I think what we really got more of a focus on him in this episode, I felt, you know, like last year didn't stand out to me as much. But in this first episode of The Bad Batch, you see, yes, he's the leader, but he's also, like, caring about, like, the cohesiveness of his unit. And again, I love a found family. (laughs) And so when he offers that, you know, offers a seat on their ship to Omega, it's like he is, he's really looking out for his team. He's not just the leader, I think, like, he is there, he is the glue. And it hurts him when we, and of course, we'll get to, to Crosshair in a minute. It hurts seeing him not in that in their batch anymore, not in their crew. I really loved seeing that, especially in the beginning, when we know that he's not affected by Order 66, as with some of the other, with most of the others in the Bad Batch. He'll question it. 
he's like, no, this is wrong. Why are we hunting down a kid? You know, this is this doesn't make sense. He was really like the driving focus, I would say, of this episode. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that he is either like a big brother type or even a dad type. So mm-hmm. like, you know, his bad father to his men. Yeah, it, he does. He definitely is the leader. And I think he's also sort of like the moral compass. Yes. Because you have Crosshair who's, you know, and we'll get into it, who's kind of follow your orders, do what we have to do. Let's just get the job done. Tech is very analytical. Wrecker's just like impulsive all over the place. So I feel like he gets them all grounded. Yeah. And one of the things that really stood out to me about him was the loyalty. The loyalty he has to each other, to like just them. But the fact that he was Omega is like us. We can't leave her behind. I was like, oh my goodness. Yeah. Like you just met her. Yeah. He quickly identified with her, even though they don't exactly know, you know, what do you mean? She's a clone, but not like the others. You know, it's like, okay, well, we don't care. We're all different. We're going to take her in. Yeah. And it's so funny. My son brought it up when, you know, we were watching and he, he grew up with the Clone Wars. He's 17 now. But he started watching it when he was a tiny little thing. And he was that kid that I had to dress him up as like Rex for Halloween and things like that. <laughs> and so when we were watching it, he's like, I hate that they call the troopers regs or the droids clankers. He's like, it feels racist to me. And then it's the same way where the regular clone troopers, where they call them like mutants, defective, like all kinds yeah. of like names and stuff. You know, Hunter would not leave somebody to suffer somebody like them because they already mm-hmm. feel like outcasts they already feel so different from everybody else and so i think a lot of the motivation for taking omega with them was that and at first he's hesitant because she wants to go with them and he's like no we're bad for you <laughs> you know we're- yeah we're a bad influence <laughs> yeah so i think that in that sense he still has that moral compass like you know what you're a kid Yeah, because they have the support system, like their support system is with each other. And we don't know what or if Omega has any of that. We seem that, um, I can't think of their name. Is it um, Nala Say, I think? Seemed a little bit protective of Omega. But, you know, there are also, I feel like the Kaminoans are still also like out for their, like, you know, their money too. So they're protective of their like property of their property and of their investments and stuff. So how much of that is like caring? I don't know. But for Hunter, it's definitely like, nope, we're going to look after you, kid, because I don't know if anybody else here will. Right. And the inhabitants of the planet of Kamina are basically making a slave force. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, so it's not, I don't think that it's more caring as much as like, this is my investment, because when mm-hmm. they go into that battle simulation where they start using the live rounds, Yep. She says, you're going to destroy my, you know, my clones, Tarkin says, and you'll be compensated for it. Yeah. And then they go ahead and allow this, like, you know, simulation to go with the live rounds. And so I don't think a lot of it is caring about them as much as it is trying to protect their investment. But, they're, yeah. you know, they're also the reason that they were able to get away. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. There's like an interesting level of like, okay, so to what extent do you care? It's definitely not all warm and fuzzy feelings. That's that's for sure, I would say. But I feel like it could also be a level of we don't trust this new empire and this this Tarkin fella. What does he know? Um, Which that is a good instinct to have. (laughs) But um, that too. Yeah. Perhaps. The people on Camino are like, okay, well, you know, this is our life's work that you're just going to destroy and I'm not going to let you destroy it. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know. Obviously, these are Kirkin characters that we're speculating about. <laughs> yeah. And, and like, this is still one episode, so who knows? <laughs> right. We'll see more. And so then going into Crosshair. So one Crosshair. thing that... Yeah, so one thing that we notice is that in the beginning, when the episode starts, it's the episode kicks off during Order 66. Give the order, mm-hmm. and they start attacking the Jedi Master and her Padawan. And the, you have Hunter, Tech, Wrecker, Echo, 
they're all very confused about what's going on. They heard the mm-hmm. order, but it's like they don't really understand and they're very confused about what's going on. But Crosshair doesn't share that. And he says this line that good soldiers follow orders. Yep. Which is like a callback to, was it The last fives? time. We- yeah, it was fives. Yeah. Tup so, and fives. Yeah. So, you know, his inhibitor chip in the Clone Wars gets shot. And then all of a sudden he starts, you know, killing people. And so I kind of picked that up that, like, something's going on with his inhibitor chip. Like, maybe the other ones don't have an inhibitor chip or mm-hmm. it's not working. You know, and those were my first thoughts when I saw the episode. But obviously, you know, Crosshair's mutations, diff- defect, whatever it is, wasn't strong enough to inhibit Order 66. Yeah. Which I think was super interesting. And it and it is one of those things. It's like, well, why is it him out of all of the others? And of course, we know like later Echo, who joined it later, he was a quote reg. You know, he was a regular clone trooper. But, you know, from all of the trauma he sustained and the experimentations that he was under with the separatists, they noted that his inhibitor chip was likely compromised in some ways. But it was crosshairs that that worked. Right. And I feel like it only worked to an extent because Mm -hmm. I feel crosshair was conflicted. Like he knew he shouldn't be doing it, but he couldn't help himself to an extent. Because there's the point where Omega kind of like reaches out Mm -hmm. and says, it's not your fault. Like as if she understands what's going on with him and she doesn't blame him. Mm And I just was like, oh my goodness. Like, I felt so bad for Crosshair. Like, even though at the end, he's kind of like the villain that they have to watch out for. I don't think it's as black and white as just saying like, oh, he's a bad guy. Yeah, because I think it still goes down to, it's still not his choice. We saw this with Rex at the end of last season. Like, Rex got the order and he was trying to fight it as much as he could. And then he was still like, we need to hunt down Ahsoka Tano. Like, we need to kill Ahsoka and we need to kill them all. But it wasn't until they were able to get his chip out that he, like, completely was able to, like, separate, you know, from that order. But, you know, they didn't know what was going on. So they couldn't really have anyone step in and and try to, like, stop that, you know, stop him from fulfilling the order because they didn't know that there was a chip yet, you know? Right. It's really interesting, like, when they're having the discussion back in their, I guess, their bunker, their Mm -hmm. rooms or quarters, whatever you call it. And Tech is pretty much saying, like, only makes sense that we would have these inhibitor chips, Mm -hmm. right? He's like, logically. And I think he's looking at it, like, almost like a Vulcan on Star Trek is, like, how I see his personality. Mm -hmm. And he says, you know, these inhibitor chips, it makes sense that we would have these. It makes sense that this would happen and that, like, everybody just so easily turned on their Jedi commander or whatever. Because Echo definitely is like, you know, they've worked with him side by side. They all have, like, this loyalty and this caring for, like, the Jedi. And Tech isn't so much as, like, I think he is compassionate, loyal, and caring, but he doesn't show it as Mm -hmm. much. And I think that he was just kind of like, well, it is what it is, like. It makes sense that we were made this way. And Record seemed to have taken that totally hard. Like, no, I am the way I am because I am my own person and I make my own decisions. I loved that whole scene and that whole discussion because it is about, there's a whole lot of morality and ethical issues that we can talk about with the clones. And I think this is definitely one of them in the sense that, you know, they are made, they are programmed with this, with this chip and how much is their own agency. You know, so I really love that Wrecker was really trying to fight against that when it's when it's interesting that it's like, yes, but you guys are also like specially quote designed, you know, you were made to be a particular way that that is different from the regular clone troopers. And so what does that mean about you as a person and how does that matter? And, you know, like having your own agency. Yes. Yeah. I feel like that's like the most human thing. Yes. I just wanted to have, like you said, your own agency. Yeah. It's, it, I, and I know you love this other show and I can't help but bring it up, but The Good Place, you know, anytime you're talking about like 
human destiny, you know, what is ordained for you or what is, what is true? Is it worth making these choices in our lives? And I feel like, you know, that was something that The Good Place did so well <laughs> in terms of discussing those issues of like morality and, and choice that I kind of, I couldn't help but when I, when I saw this in The Bad Batch, I was like, ah, oh, give me more of these kinds of like deep discussions of philosophy right. of self and everything. And what's so interesting, too, is like the scene with Wrecker where he, you know, he says, you know, I'm this way because of mm-hmm. me, just reminded me of Rocket Raccoon in Guardians of the yes. Galaxy, when he's like, you know, there's nothing like me except me. Yeah. And I don't know, it's just like a little thing that I absolutely love. I, I feel like Wrecker and Rocket would get along very well. Absolutely. <laughs> and so Crosshair, like, I don't know, like, I feel for him in my heart. I like that everything is not so black and white, like these are the bad guys, these are the good guys. I like that moral complexity. And I really hope somehow Crosshair finds his way back. Yes, same. It's very early to tell. And Star Wars does have a it does have a track record for redemption. So <laughs> I'm hoping we'll be able to save him before it gets before anything gets worse. I love how you're so invested in you're like, we'll be able to save him. <laughs> exactly. So Tech talked a little bit about him already, you know, the fact that he's very logical and things like that. What was your big impression from or your takeaway from Tech? Um, I think you kind of said it. I like the I like the comparison to very like Spock. He's very matter of fact. And it does yeah, for him it is well, it does make sense. Why wouldn't they like want to put in a control trip in it? He's very objective in his thinking and he's not necessarily wrong. You know, whether it's the people of Camino or the Republic or, you know, Palpatine, they're going to want to protect their investment. And so if people are going off, you know, if people are going AWOL, yeah, it does make sense that they would want to control them in some way. Because we've already established that it's not necessarily morally good for them to have a clone army in the first place. So, yeah, I think tech is very much the matter of fact. Like you said, he's not not empathetic but you know that's maybe not his first reaction to things well and you know what's interesting too is i didn't realize how funny some of his lines would be because there's the point where he's like you know all of these clones are acting weird and then they get bumped by one of the clones and he's like no they're acting the same jerk yep like they usually are (laughs) and like there's a lot of like little throwaway lines from the episode where it's very dry humor just kind of like he said he makes a lot of observations that are just kind of funny. So I really enjoyed just kind of like mm-hmm. his little quirkiness. And then obviously there's Wrecker. Oh, Wrecker. Tell me, what did you think? Like, I, I love they brought up Rocket because I think they would get along well. But yeah, he's definitely, it, it is perfect to say that he's, you know, if if tech is brains over brawn, then I think like um, Wrecker is his counterpoint. He's supposed to be the bronze over the brain. You know, he's very, he's a lot more impulsive. He is running and hit things first and then figure out the plan later. But we do see he's very loyal. You know, he is the comic relief, but he is very loyal. He sticks with his crew, which I think is typical of like those big bruiser type of characters. I think, you know, it's a bit of a stereotype, but they also have a very deep soft side. You know, we see that he has like that little, I don't know, is it a Tuka cat doll maybe? I don't know. Um, it's very It cute is very <laughs> cute. So like we know that he has like that soft side that it's, it's very important to him clearly. And so I'm wondering if we're going to get some of that backstory as, you know, he grew up with through his short childhood or what. So that should be interesting. Right. And then also speaking of like, you know, childhood and kids and stuff. He twice in the episode said, I like this kid. He said it with the young Padawan mm-hmm. from the beginning oh. of the episode when he's like, oh, only if I get to go with you. And he's like, I like this yeah. kid. And then he says it with Omega when she starts like crewing up yeah. with them. He says like, I like this kid. And so I thought that was kind of endearing and sweet because obviously I love kids. Yeah, so yeah. I, I thought that was really great. And then there's this one moment, and I've seen the episode like twice already, and I just laugh so hard both times. It's the scene where they get the confirmation that General Grievous has been defeated by Obi-Wan Kenobi, Mm -hmm. and that the war is over, and 
Texas. It's like I said. And he gasped and he's like, it is like you said. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't know why, but like I died every time. It's just like the delivery. And I don't know what D. Bradley Baker, who releases all the clones and all the Bad Batch members. Amazing. Like, how does he do this? Like, I want to see him in the recording booth. Like, does he do all of them at the same time? Does he do one character at a time? Like, how does he interact with himself? Like, I'm so fascinated by it. Like, he's so talented. Yeah. I I honestly, yeah, just hats off to D. Bradley Baker because I could watch an entire documentary. That's just him, like... In a sound booth. <laughs> going about his day or in a sound booth, reading a phone book. I don't care. Like, I am there. Like, I I, I knew him from The Legend of Korra and, like, Avatar and everything. That, Who is he in Korra? Like, all of the animals. Huh. Like, all of them. <laughs> that it's like, oh, it's, like, he can do, like, any sort of, like, you know, he can do a, a sky bison or he can just do, like, 150 different clones. And make them all distinct. You know, you hear sound and you're like, oh, okay, that's Wrecker. Or, oh, that's Hunter. Or, oh, that's Rex. You know, and it's pretty, yeah, it's he's incredible. Yeah, I really want to see that. So hats off yeah. to the Bradley Baker, wherever you are, sir. Welcome. For sure. <laughs> For sure. So then we have Echo. And he's the most recent member of the Clone Force, Cyborg, you know. He's kind of very pale looking compared to the rest of the the clown troopers. He's mm-hmm. been through a lot, a lot of trauma, a lot of stuff. What was your main takeaway when it came to Echo? I think I'm still trying to not necessarily like put my finger on Echo. I confess that I don't have an encyclopedic knowledge of the Clone Wars episodes. <laughs> like so many others, I did think that he had died, you know, during like seasons one through six until we meet him again in season seven where it's revealed that he was captured and, you know, was turned into a cyborg. So, yeah, I still, like, can't, I guess I don't quite fully remember his earlier episodes and things like that and what he was like before. But I do really think it's interesting that he is, he is a bit of the odd one out in this Bad Batch because he was a regular trooper and he doesn't necessarily have a specialty compared to the others. You know, I think he is a cyborg, but if you're talking about like technical capabilities, like tech's got that covered, you know. So I wonder if he's still trying to figure out where he fits in in the group. But they're still they're already just a close knit group, you know. He he fits in well. They don't think less of him for being, you know, a previously regular trooper or anything like that, which I think is interesting because they are really like a little bit hostile towards the regulars. Yeah. Maybe because of everything that Echo's gone through, and they're like, "Yeah, we see you because you're you're different and not by choice." Yeah, it, it is interesting that they're like, "Nope, we're gonna fold you into our little our little hodgepodge group." When we were watching the episode, my seventeen year old started yelling at the television during the food fight scene <laughs> because you know there's a this regular you know clone trooper starts beating up on Echo, and he's like, "Don't you know what he's been through?" Like, he, like, was, you know, captured. Is that how you treat veterans? And he was so, like, upset. He was like, why are they not, like, treating him with more respect after all he's gone through? Because he's been in the field and the other troopers aren't necessarily on there. Yeah. I I mean, I don't really know what the troopers on Kamino do necessarily. Or if they're still training or whatever. But it's like, Echo's been through hell and back. Come on. Yeah. I just, you know, I just remember my son being upset. Like, why are you attacking him? He's a he's a war hero. Yeah. He should he should have a full retirement and he's not gonna get it. Speaking of retirement, like Mm -hmm. I know that in Rebels they mention that they decommission them, Mm -hmm. but like I just kind of really want to see some of these clone troopers just grow old. Yeah. I, it would be really nice. Yeah. Although I also wonder how much of that, you know, over time, are they dealing with that guilt? Are they, you know, from not just the war? I mean, I feel like, you know, we hear about, you know, PTSD and depression and stuff and veterans in, in, in the real world is very real and, and definitely an issue. But then, you know, so I imagine that's got to be something that would weigh on them. And especially when they're like, quote, like, 
thrown out essentially by the empire. They're not, there is no VA, I imagine, in the empire. Um, But then what about the ones that are questioning about Order 66 and dealing with the guilt about that? Because, you know, there is some, some sort of level of, you know, questioning even with the trip that we've seen in the past. You know, I think um, like we saw it with Rex, we see it a little bit with Crosshair. We've seen it in the comics and the Canaan comics where they're thinking much later. And that's something else we can go into with the comics too, as I'm thinking of it. So, Well, yeah. And I think there was an episode in the last season of the Clone Wars where, and I don't know if it's Rex or somebody mentions they hate the war and what they're going through. But also, they're conflicted because if it wasn't for this war, they wouldn't exist. That was Rex, yes. And so I always thought that, that was like like a really cool thing to bring mm-hmm. up. And it's funny because it's like that whole, you know, yes, you can create a clone, but what about a soul, right? Like, what about like a conscience? Like, you can't really create that. I mean, they have these inhibitor chips that can like wire people a certain way, but like it's that humanity mm-hmm. that just kind of like pops through and that they all have and they all have their own and they all have their own agency like we mentioned before so interesting yeah star wars is so fun yeah (laughs) it's it's just it's really well done we could talk about it for days (laughs) probably so then the last member of the bad batch is omega and i was trying to think about about how old she is and she looks like maybe 10 to 13 i don't know what do you think I think that's a safe bet. I think about preteenish makes sense. And like we said, it, it looks like she's a human child. She's been living on Camino. She's a clone, but whose clone is she? I'm guessing she is a Jango Fett clone. But why doesn't she have dark hair? I don't. I don't know. She's blonde. Yeah, like that's what. Well, I'm- and I think that's what's interesting because, like, I think did they call her exactly like a defect? But they're like, well, she's like you. She like when Tech is explaining that they said that they had five of these enhanced. Yes, enhanced. Okay, enhanced code. So in the Clone Wars, they call them defects. But in the Bad Batch, this episode, I've noticed that, like, they keep calling them enhanced. Well, I think that makes sense from the Camino side of it. Like, they're not going to say that these are, quote, defective. It's like, no, these are our specialized one. This was on purpose. You know, I think, like, it's not like um, Clone 99 who had, like, accelerated aging or something. And he, you know, he was a lot older and, you know, more feeble. He was like the grandpa. Right. And also, I think even when they were talking about the things that were wrong with them, they said, oh, it's a side effect mm. of their mutation. So they don't really like say it's like, oh, they don't work or whatever. It's just a side yeah. effect or whatever. But she's supposed to be there for medical research or whatever. And I'm just wondering, like, okay, so do they clone all kinds of people? Do they have, like, do they clone doctors or something? Mm. Do they clone, like, soldiers, doctors, whatever? Do they, like... Do they have like clones for that are just like a labor force that just like build and construct? Like, yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm not sure. Well, on one hand, like this is a whole planet and Star Wars is not. I love Star Wars. But when they're like, we have a whole planet, we only ever see like one town. I'm like, I'm sure there's more to Coruscant than just this capital city. So I kind of imagine (laughs) Camino, like, you know, they're known for all of their cloning capabilities, but like this one facility that we always revisit, like this one, like, you know, three buildings or whatever, I'm guessing that's got to be just for the Republic and just for the Jango Fett clones, because, you know, that's probably one, their biggest contract with the Republic. Right. Um, Right. But then, yeah. So I would just imagine it's like, nope, we have this entire sector just to deal with these clones because it is like their biggest amount that they would have to do so that's why i'm assuming that omega's gotta be part of that you know in that genome and everything and so that should be yeah because why else would she be there and she's also got a similar accent so (laughs) maybe that's genetic so there's a part when they're when tarkin asked how many of these enhanced clones do you have and they said only five survived or something Mm -hmm. like that right so, like, there was more? Yeah. What were they making? Like, I want to know more about that. Yeah, I don't know. There's, I feel like they've been up to a lot in Camino. 
Yeah. And Omega obviously senses that something's not okay because she's trying to warn the Bad Batch the whole time. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm just like overthinking or being one of those crazy Star Wars theorists, but you know how uh, Hunter has like an ability to sense like electromagnetic fields by droids and things like that. Which I forgot until you Uh, brought it up um, at the top of the episode. Yeah, like, (laughs) thank you. uh, He has like, I don't, does he have that like heightened sensory ability with other things? Mm. Because he's the one that noticed that they're being followed by Omega Mm -hmm. when they're walking down the corridor. Yeah. So I guess, like, if in general he has, like, you know, if Crosshair has the best sight, then Hunter could just also have, like, better hearing and better just, like, sense and maybe a bit of a spidey sense. Not so much a a force sense, but maybe a spidey sense. Right, right. Oh, this is totally off topic, but I thought about this uh, the other day. Are there any clone Jedi? Ooh. Like, is one of them, like, some... There's so many clones. Did any any one of them become force sensitive at mm. some point? That I really want. To know. I don't know. I mean, the force works in mysterious ways, so you never know. I always, I always feel like, <laughs> yeah. Again, this might be we might be veering a little bit. You know, with the whole sense of like, oh, is someone a Jedi because like their parents were everything? I'm like, I don't think they follow like force sensitivity follows genetics. Like, there isn't actually enough evidence in star wars like the skywalkers are an outlier I, I i think they're the outlier to the rule but in general it's just like oh yeah like probably unrelated people and it just kind of like pops up for the most part in in certain people like some people just have more sensitivity to the force that i don't think i think it's just literally chosen by the force in a way so that would be cool to see i really want more explanation on mm-hmm. that and i'm sure with all these disney plus shows coming we'll get yeah so some of the recurring characters some of the things that were maybe somebody who's new to the show may not understand what were some of the things there were some call outs of people or things that you noticed yeah so right from the very beginning for me was of course what i really loved uh similar to at the end of season seven that we got little hints of like revenge of the Sith. So we got to see almost like moments of revenge of the Sith in, you know, this clone wars animated style, which was really cool that we're setting it up. It's like, yep, it's, it's that time. It's time for order 66. We better get ready. And so for me, knowing that I I didn't make the connection of, I think they mentioned collar a little bit later, but when I saw that Depo Balabo was there, I freaked out. Of course, she was the Jedi from uh, back in Attack of the Clones. But for Star Wars Rebels fans, uh, she's Kanan's Jedi Master. And so we see baby Kanan. He's not a baby. He's a Padawan. (laughs) But we see him as Caleb Doom. And so that was like such a treat and such a surprise for me that I didn't expect. And we did have, well, we did know how she died from the Kanan comics. They it was kind of like, I guess, retconned a little bit here in terms of how she died, which I don't necessarily mind, even though I liked the the pain and the angst of the comics originally, <laughs> the original take there, because we do see like, you know, young Caleb's guilt of him running away, you know, and having to like leave her behind and then being hunted by the clones that he admired. And I think even just seeing like his quick admiration of the Bad Batch, which I really loved, and that very quick betrayal when when Crosshair comes after him. So that was just like a huge delight for me. I gasped and like maybe had a little bit of a scream when I saw them. But of course, for other fans, we we see Saw also in the trailer. We saw that Saw would be coming back. I thought it was cool that. Andrew Cascino, who voiced him in The Clone Wars, he returns. Lately, he has been voiced by Forrest Whitaker, who, of course, played him in Rogue One. But I thought, like, hats off to Andrew Cascino, because I think, one, he sounds like that younger Saw that we knew from The Clone Wars. But I feel like he added a little bit of extra, like, to his voice that made him sound like he was, like, getting an in-between, like, getting towards Forrest Whitaker to, like, kind of evoke that. So I thought that was... Wait, uh, you mean Rebels, not... Not the Clone Wars, right? Well, uh, well, saw he voiced saw in the Clone Wars. Um, Andrew Cascino, oh, yeah. Um, so he was in oh. season five. Mm. Yeah, 
Okay. So he was in like a very small arc um, on Onderon, you know, so they kind of referred to that in the Bad Batch that it was like, you know, he had helped, you know, drive off the Separatists there. But of course, like Tarkin sees him as a threat because, you know, he's not going to conform with the Empire. As, as of course we know later on in, in Rogue One in particular. So yeah, so it was great to see him because I feel like, you know, in these later installments, when we meet Saw, you know, he's shown up in Rebels and he's shown up in Rogue One. He's definitely more of like the ends justify the means sort of like Rebel. And that's why they have that split with the the Rebel Alliance. It was nice to see like Saw like again as like, you know, very empathetic first, like kind of driving that home that it's like he's doing this for a good cause. He's like calling them out. He's like, there are children here. These are families. Like, we are just trying to survive. Like, you need to make this choice. Are, are we sure that this empire is, like, a good thing? You know, so I I liked being able to see, like, Saw in the early rebellion years before we see where he's where he might be crossing some more lines later. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited to see more about Saw. I am one of those people that, like... I feel like Rogue One is the best mm-hmm. Star Wars movie. Obviously, that's just my opinion. I love it. And, you know, but for me, it is my favorite Star Wars movie. And I cannot talk about Rogue One without crying. Every time I talk I about I can't Rogue watch One, Rogue One without crying. So, you know, I'm excited to see, like, this version of Saw mm-hmm. that I didn't know. Uh, what were your favorite moments from um, the show? I think right away when I saw young Kanan, I was just like... I know one of my one of my very good friends is a Kanan fan and so all I wanted to do is be like oh my god I need to talk to you I need to talk to you about this but she hadn't seen it yet so I can't wait to talk to her after this so we can uh geek out about that together weirdly I loved seeing AZ3 again the little like medical droid because <laughs> he was in um he was in the episode with fives when fives um got his inhibitor chip out so it was kind of good to see him. i was like oh good az3 is okay but also i don't know if he's going to be okay after that but i was thinking I, he was gonna be like the droid that was gonna travel with him i was like he oh, should I like have him. been he's so funny he's so cute and like the fact that he goes to protect omega and everything uh, the minute you see him where he's like trying to break the news to like the bad batch that there's something wrong with them i just i love him laughing. like that joy i love ac3 it was a very funny episode i i have to say sometimes i forget how funny star wars is like it's weird to say but like you know i think you get caught up in the action and the drama and the suspense and the you know the, the sadness sometimes that sometimes I'm like this is like legitimately funny like Star Wars is just a funny thing sometimes absolutely like whenever I'm in like a bad mood I watch The Force Awakens <sighs> because Poe's interaction with Kylo Ren at the beginning who talks first me yeah who talks first like that always gets me like I just start laughing and then Finn with BB-8 like Troy please and like that whole scene. <laughs> Where are we going? You tell them. I don't know. Give me the screwdriver. What? I don't know. There's so many funny yeah. moments in Force Awakens. That's like kind of like for me when I just need something silly or funny to watch. Is I put on the Force Awakens. It's a good choice. It's a good one. You know, now that they took Parks and Rec off there. <sighs> I know. Netflix anymore. Give me, give me, give me Parks and Rec in uh star wars please and thank you uh basically i mean where is the leo would get along really well with a leslie nope who's just like i'm gonna do everything i can even if it's all by myself i really want to see that leslie nope would have ended this war long ago although i guess like maybe leia is kind of the leslie nope except like a little less but like she's been through a lot more (laughs) leslie is not in the middle of a war so you know maybe it's She's a little more cheated, <laughs> but yeah, they both have a very fierce determination to get stuff done. <laughs> They're going to do it themselves if they have to. Oh uh, man, I want to go to that Valentine's Day. Yes. <laughs> I think um, some of my favorite moments had to do with Omega. I love her. I really got the Into the Spider-Verse vibes from her and Hunter 
And there's a scene where like Ooh. they're sitting and Hunter's thinking, and then she does the same thing Hunter does, and she mimics what he's doing. I loved that. And I just thought about like Miles Morales sitting on the rock trying to like, you know, figure things out with Peter Parker. And I was just like, oh my god, this is so funny. <laughs> it's like the same thing. I laughed when I with that scene. I loved it. Yeah. It was so cute. So there's a lot of cute little Omega Hunter moments where she's just kind of like trying to be like the bad batch, you yeah. know, that I really, I really enjoyed those. I loved the scene with Omega, you know, kind of telling Crosshair, like, it's not your fault. Mm-hmm. I know you don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really sweet. And then I think just Wrecker's whole moment when he was like, I like blowing things up because I like blowing things up and him just trying to like, you know, prove that he's his own person. Mm-hmm. I just think that it's such a silly little thing, right? But it it's so deep when you really think about it. And I love that. Yeah. Were there any uh, questions or answers that you're you hope that the series answers? I don't know if they'll answer it, but I definitely have questions. <laughs> like I see, you know, we see Crosshair at the end and I'm wondering, is he going to be like the first purge trooper? I've been playing Jedi Fallen Order and I keep getting like killed by them. So, you know, and they're a little bit more enhanced in terms of the stormtroopers and they're like specialized in like trying to like hunt down Jedi along with the Inquisitors. So I'm like, it looks like a similar uniform to me. So I'm like, is he like the first of that sort of specialized group? And what does this mean? Are we going to be having like enhanced stormtroopers, even though we know they're not say clones? Like, how is that going to work? And then is he going to be okay afterwards? Are we going to get him back? I think you were the one maybe when we talked the last time about the trailer that you suggested that it looked like that the team would be split up. And I didn't you know, the Bad Batch, as we knew them, would be split up. And I hadn't made that connection. And of course, that's what happened. You know, we do see that that Crosshair is no longer in the Bad Batch. But there is there's still five of them. But it's Omega this time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, for me, I just think that and not just with the Bad Batch, but I want to see like, obviously, Rex was able to fight it. And then they were Ahsoka mm-hmm. was able to, you know, get the chip out of him. But what happens to some of the other clone troopers? I mean, there's so many, like, I'm assuming hundreds of thousands of them, right? Maybe millions. I don't know. Like, I don't know how big the the clone army is. I I think there is a number, but I don't know it. Right. Well, I mean, it's a lot. So It's a lot. um, I I guess what I want to know is, like, of those, like how many of them were able to fight it? How many are just as strong mm-hmm. as Rex that were able to even for a minute just fight that inhibitor chip? And then mm-hmm. maybe there's a bunch of them whose inhibitor chips broke yeah, or just didn't work, you know? Like there's all these little things that I kind of want to see and I hope we get a couple little more answers to. I really want to know who Omega's was cloned from. Mm-hmm. If she's a Jango Fett clone, that they made blonde for whatever reason or if she's just a clone of somebody else and also what's her purpose mm-hmm. why was she made why is she staying behind yeah why was she made why is she staying behind was she really affiliated with the like medical assistant or is that just like a quick cover story is that what they told her that she was there for yeah yeah and like if that's the case is she does she know about that chip that order 66 chip is she able to help i feel like she does Um, know because she mentions the crosshair so she has some kind of idea about what's going on Mm -hmm. yeah i'm very interested in seeing where omega is gonna go yeah where her story goes i i'm just kind of curious as far as like you know what was her purpose and does she have some kind of inhibitor chip of her own and they're going to like do order 67 and then she's going to go berserk and kill the bad batch or something like i don't know like what is she there for i feel like yeah we're going to get some kind of a twist when it has to do with omega and i also want to know you know the clones are made to age faster obviously like bubba fett was an unaltered clone so he gets to grow Mm. at a regular human pace but all the other clones were grown a little faster. So is Omega going to age really fast or is she going to stay a kid for a while? Yeah, because she's also like the only like, you know, preteen that we see walking around. So is she maybe she is like Boba going to age, you know, quote normally because 
I feel like all the other like preteen clones that we saw, like they were just like in training and they were all together. Like she's definitely, you know, she is very, they definitely treat her differently. She's much younger than they are. Yeah. Any other predictions you might have for the series? I don't know. I think it is just a question of what, what are they doing next? You know, like this episode was very much like, well, we got to get out of here because this isn't going to work for us. Like everything has gone very, very wrong. And, you know, I think it's, you know, Tarkin and the Empire will be trying to hunt them down. But then what is their next move? Are they going to try to help with the rebellion? Are they going to try to help the regular clone troopers in some way? Like, are they going to? Yeah, because they're like their brothers. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wonder, I, I'm, I'm curious to see if that will change, you know, because they consider them regs, you know, but then it's like, are they going to try to like, are they going to give them more sympathy that it's like, wait, they've gone through a lot of things that they can't control like what is you know how can we help them i think boba fett has mixed feelings about that because i mean basically they're his brothers too right Mm -hmm. and i think that uh boba fett also was a little torn in that sense Mm -hmm. his relationship with the clones i guess yeah yeah i don't know there's there's a lot going on that's for sure All right. Well, before we wrap up, anything else you want to throw in there? Anything else you notice or just anything you want to mention? Yeah, there's one thing. We start off the episode, you know, the Clone Wars logo burns away like it did in the trailer, like in the teaser trailer. And it's like we see the Bad Batch. This is a new show. This is a new thing. And I noticed this last year with the season seven finale with the the Siege of Mandalore arc that there was no Jedi words of wisdom at the beginning of these episodes the way that it was in the Clone Wars. And one way, it's like, it's definitely not the Clone Wars anymore. It's a different show. It's a different thing. And I spoke about this with Abigail James last year in that um, in that Temple, Temple of Geek episode about the Siege of Mandalore arc. Abigail James made like such a great like observation about that as to why there's no like Jedi words of wisdom in that last arc in those episodes because it's like there is the the war is over <laughs> there is no more wisdom to be gained from the jedi they've lost their way and and now i think on another another level you know this is after order 66 there are no jedi you know it is the end of the war there is no wisdom to gain and there also is no jedi order for us to like move forward with this like we have to be able to like go our own path so i kind of thought that was interesting i think it was like you know a production choice and that they're not going to do those little those little nuggets of information at the beginning of each episode but it it does definitely tell you that this is a new age there are no more jedi this is the fallout this is literally the aftermath i think that is a beautiful place to wrap this up well said (laughs) it comes full circle All right. Well, this is going to wrap up this episode of the Temple of Geek podcast. We want to thank everyone who tuned in today. And I especially want to thank my co-host, Kristen, for being here with us today. If you guys have any questions or comments, feel free to hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram using the handle at Temple of Geek. If you want to check out some of our other episodes or shows, why don't you head on over to templegeek.com. There you can find all things that change the world. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you. Please follow us on Twitter at Temple of Geek. Follow us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Temple of Geek. And remember to visit TempleofGeek.com. Your one stop for all things geek. Goodbye. This will conclude our transmission.